This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey, that's me. The mass turpies. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes, your hockey podcast network home for your reigning, defending, undisputed champion of the world, the St. Louis Blues. I am your host, Tom Franklin. Actually, as of now, your co-host of Blue Notes going forward. Have a big announcement here in case you missed it on Twitter this week uh, to let you know about. And of course, we are also your home for bad mass puns because I had one on Monday and uh, I had one today. So, you know, we're all about uh, Massachusetts, you know, for uh, blue for Blues fans this week because of our new affiliates. So talk a little bit more about that today. And we're going to talk about that with the new brand spanking new permanent newly promoted co-host full-time of blue notes give it up for the man called wags I really hope I really hope there's a bunch of cheering and stuff. <laughs> uh, I, I, I hope so. I mean, I mean, I, I played Jeremy Boyer's intro music for you just now, so you know, I, they, I mean, they better get up for that. You know, oh, they got to. They it's Jeremy to. Boyer. By the way, I need to figure out how I'm going to work that in now, since that we're, you know, it's not, it's not like you're a special guest anymore. You're just, you're just a co-host. I go so from a special you, guest you, to you a co-host. Co- <laughs> <laughs> you are now a part of the pillar that holds this podcast up. So I got to start working out then. So, so yes, uh, announced uh, this week that uh, yes, going forward on uh, even on the Monday episodes, Wags. You're going to be aboard. Um, you know, you're also, you know, just you've been a big help, you know, to me so far. Um, the fans love you. They do. They I, I heard some clapping, you know, just just now. So, um, you know, the, the, the boys at the Hockey Podcast Network love you. And I'm just I'm just I'm glad to have you aboard, man. It, it's been fun. Uh, it, it's been a really great experience. And um, I love to talk hockey. So any chance I get, uh, it's great for me. So now that I get to talk about it more than once a week, I, I'm thrilled. Yeah, plenty of chances. Absolutely. By the way, I I, I want to before we go on too uh, too far, you also have something else to celebrate. You recently got your other podcast on local radio in in, in the St. Louis area. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm I'm co-host on a show called Crunch Time with Joe Scott and Wags. Uh, we've been going strong almost two years now, which is really impressive for for us, I, I think. And we yeah, we just got on with KYRO 1280 AM 105.3 FM. It's ma- mainly based out of the Franklin County, Lincoln County area, that sort of thing. Uh, but you can hear it on TuneIn as well. So make sure you get the TuneIn app and listen to us. We're on Saturday mornings from 8 to 10 AM. So two whole hours of three guys just bickering back and forth about local sports. It's it's Blues, Cardinals, Battlehawks, but we're also into the college and high school sports as well because those tend to get overlooked and most people don't really 
focus on that. So we're really trying to hit that as well to get that uh, that knowledge out to the community. Yeah, who needs uh, Sunday morning cartoons when you can have more wags in your life? Exactly. That's that. That's the motto. I mean, plus Sunday morning cartoons aren't what they used to be. Not know? anymore. No, no Ninja no. Turtle. Well, I mean, the Ninja Turtles are still there, but not great. And Power Rangers and Looney Tunes and all that. Oh yeah, gosh, we were going over that the other day at work, and it's it's a lost art now. Uh, the, the the file of things that aren't quite what they were when, when we were kids continues to grow. Uh, half of that file is filled up with things that used to be in hockey, which we can talk about sometime. Uh, we'll have plenty of opportunities going forward for that. So um, this episode, we're going to talk, uh, get your opinion, Wags, on the uh, new uh, AHL affiliate, affiliate for the St. Louis Blues. Of course, I wax poetic about it on Monday as uh, Wags celebrates by punching his uh, microphone. So... Um, I don't have the celebration or anger over the new affiliate. We'll see about that here in just a little bit. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about the where the Blues are in the uh, season right now as we're kind of heading towards the home stretch, but not quite there yet. And then Wags and I had an interesting debate off mic about, you know, we, we did, uh, you know, uh, our top 10, you know, list last week, you know, with uh, St. Louis Blues players you may have forgotten played for the St. Louis Blues. We talked about some trades, you know, and some bad ones that happened and trying to find a silver lining and some optimism after that. I thought back to what team has the Blues absolutely bent over a table, you know, over the years and just taken a complete advantage of. And we're of two different opinions on this. Uh, you, you you think that it's one team. Uh, I think it's another. We're going to clash over that here in our uh, Blue Notes March in the History segment here, sponsored by Cool Hockey this week. Thank you very much, Cool Hockey. Uh, you have 30% off sale, by the way, for Cool Hockey. Uh, click the link on uh, Blue Notes Pod. It'll be on uh, the uh, podcast posting. That will be pinned to the top. And um, let's get right into it. So, the Blues, of course, they signed a new five-year deal with the Springfield Thunderbirds, which, uh, of course, as we know, five-year deals with AHL teams can be rendered moot, you know, when Vegas comes in and buys your team out from under you. Uh, by the way, this is now the second time Vegas has evicted the Blues from the AHL, although, you know, I don't really miss the Chicago Wolves very much. Um and I'm so glad it's not the Wolves that the Blues will be having to, you know, come crawling back to, you know, it's going to be a team that, yes, they're a long, they're a long ass ways away. But when you look at their ownership, it's all locally owned uh, owners that are invested in making Springfield great. Springfield has a deep hockey tradition uh, I mean, we're talking 1920s, you know, as far as having a minor league presence in there. And I think I think it's a good deal, Wags. What what do you think about the uh, new partnership? I definitely think it's a good deal. And it's one of those deals that you've got five years. And the way I look at it is it's not so much that they're looking for a long, long-term AHL solution. I think this buys them time to figure out a Kansas City affiliate. Uh, a lot of fans were upset that KC wasn't the option, uh, but it takes a lot to get an AHL team started. And it, the fact that, you know, it just kind of got sprung that, hey, at the end of the season, we got to find a new AHL team. You're not going to be able to put together an organization. Even if you went with the KC Mavericks, you wouldn't be able to kind of put that structure into place in, in about six months time. So really what I think this is, is 
them buying themselves some time to really figure out a local situation. Uh, but it's a great place to go because, like you said, Springfield has a great hockey history. They've got a great hockey market. This team was brought into the AHL just a few years ago, 2016, 2017, and they've had wild success in, in the years since, uh, hosting the AHL All-Star Game and, and all that and selling that, that out. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And, and yeah. the fact that you talk about local ownership too, that's what the Blues are all about. And now that you can kind of connect yourself with another group that has that local ownership, that local feel and flavor and investment back into the community, I think it's a win-win for both places. And the fact that the Blues are going to still have control over the players, the structure, the coaching staff, yeah. that, is the, that is the biggest key. That's, not, that's what you didn't have in Chicago, and that's what's going to happen because Florida used to be the NHL affiliate with this team in Springfield. From everything that I've heard, Florida is now going to be part of the Chicago Wolves organization. Good luck with that. So, you know, who knows how that's going to work. So, yeah, like you said, good luck, Florida. Yeah. Thank you for Springfield. You can have them. Yeah, exactly. We should be all sending, you know, Florida fans at least a thank you card, you know, for jumping on the Chicago Wolves landmine so we don't have to. Um, you know, the thing with – and getting back to, you know, first of all, I want to talk about San Antonio real quick. So – I I meant, you know, we both talked about how, you know, the local ownership seems very invested in the team and the community and hockey and all that. For me, it's a contrast to how the Rampage were run in San Antonio, where they were owned by Spurs Entertainment, which meant that they were never, ever going to be a priority for them ever. You're not going to promote a minor league hockey team over your cash cow, you know, multiple NBA title winning uh, face identity of San Antonio basketball team, you know? So they, it always kind of seemed to me just from what I've seen, like in their social media and the way they market themselves, it, they really did feel kind of like also rans, you know, in, 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 in I mean, that, not, that's run poorly per se, but I mean, just, they just felt just kind of there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. It, you know, when you've got multiple teams associated with it, an organization and like you said, the Spurs are a perennial championship winning team. They're a contender for the playoffs. You're talking NBA versus minor league hockey uh, in the South. <laughs> I yeah. mean, yes, Deep Dallas South. draws well. Yeah, Dallas draws well. And and I know San Antonio and Houston have been places that have look, been looked at as far as expansion is concerned, but it's still not, it's still minor league hockey. Yeah. And, there, there's a reason like the NFL hasn't like tripped over themselves trying to get into San Antonio. Yeah, not at all. I mean, you're, you're going to draw people, but not to the amount that you want to. Um, right. You know, but I'll, for, for everything that's, that, you know, is bad about what was going on in San Antonio, I still think that, you know, the Rampage still did a good job of promotion as far as, you know, Twitter and Facebook. And, you know, they brought their entire coaching staff up to St. Louis during the Prospects Tournament and, and you know, showcased the city of St. Louis to San Antonio. So I still think there, there were some connections and there were some good things. You got to see the development of players as well, well which true. is great. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, it was never going to be one of those things where the Rampage were going to own an area. Up yeah. in Springfield, the Thunderbirds are going to own that area. And yes, you're talking, yes, you're still in Bruins territory and all that, but it's just outside of Connecticut, right near Hartford. Uh, they will, they will be close to an airport, unlike yeah. Winnipeg. So, you know, at least, you know, you'll be able to fly out of the, the area that you're staying in. And, you know, I, I looked it up on Google maps and I think it's like an extra hour to Springfield versus San Antonio. I've made, I've made the drive from St. Louis to Austin and it is a long, painful drive, let me tell you. <laughs> First of all, it is just long. Texas is a big state. 
Uh, and there's also a lot of traffic in Austin, um, which will add to your commute for sure. But, uh, you know, it's it's so the distance wise, I don't think that's that's really, you know, going from San Antonio to Springfield. It's not going to be too much of a factor. In fact, you know, I was going into some of the history of Springfield hockey and the Indians uh, ended up moving to Wooster and they became the Ice Cats, which were the Blues affiliates. And in fact, that franchise, that was the same franchise. They moved to Peoria and then they became the Rivermen. And then Vancouver, of course, bought the Rivermen from the Blues. And you know, we were talking a little bit about, and that kind of leads me to my next thing here is, you know, we were talking a little bit about how AHL teams really want to get teams, you know, or NHL teams want to get their minor league teams close. Well, Vancouver, when they bought Peoria, they wanted to move them to Abbotsford. You know, which is, you know, in the uh, Vancouver area. Problem is, Calgary already had an affiliate there in Abbotsford, and it just did not work out. In fact, there was actually some... I I remember in the dying days of the Rivermen uh, AHL franchise, at least, there was some talk that they might stay an extra year just because they were kind of in limbo. And then Vancouver, they... I have no idea how they found this, you know, deal, but they ended up signing with Utica, New York. And now that franchise is the Utica Comets. And they've been in Utica for six years. And apparently Vancouver likes Utica because they just signed a six-year extension with that franchise. And last time I checked, Wags, when I looked at a map, Vancouver and upstate New York aren't close. No, I think they're a couple miles apart. Yeah, Just, it's, it's, just it's, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's 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 it's... it's basically a continent it's it's fine it's Easy. fine but, you know they just want their players to get the air air miles that's that's what it is just gotta yeah. get your miles in oh so it's so so it's an air miles scam yeah. gotcha oh, gotcha you know man wags you've you've cracked the case <laughs> you have cracked the case but it's just like it just to me it just it, that that also tells me that you know vancouver's obviously satisfied with what's going on in utica and they don't mind having their players that far away and I and that, and that's that's what I tell Blues fans that are worried about the distance. It's like you know, it, it's not all about distance; it's all about having the right fit, you know, for your players. Chicago was not a right fit. You're right; the Rampage did, you know, have some collaboration with the Blues, and um, you know, they uh, they did develop players far better than Chicago did. Um, so I, I, when it comes to you know, fit versus distance, I still think that. Springfield will be good in that regard just because they do seem like they just seem like a good fit to me well, and, as and I another piece here. another piece that I, I read about especially con- concerning the blues in Springfield Bill Armstrong lives in the area uh, the general manager of the rampage who will probably not be the general manager of, the, of Springfield also lives in that area so in the case of Vancouver they could have scouts there they could have their their uh, you know their minor league general manager, what have you, that could be areas where they live, which allows them easy access to those players as well. And and you talk about the players travel. Well, the scout travel, if you don't have to pay for the scouts travel and the player travel, once again, financially, it's a win. So they could have their, their scouting department and you're on the East coast too. So the travel distances for scouting is a lot more compact than it is for Western conference teams. So having your scouts and your players all within the same general area facing teams that are in relatively close proximity it's a, it's one of those things where if it works out like Utica and like hopefully Springfield, 
it's a win for, for the organization as a whole, especially organizations that are locally owned and need to save as much money as possible. That's true. That is very true. And, you know, the world with the way it is now in 2020, I mean, coronavirus aside, uh, you know, it, the world is getting smaller and smaller, it seems, you know, as technology improves, you know, the ability to travel improves. And so and and, and, and you're right in, in the fact that, you know, I see like when I go up to the Blues press box every now and then, I often see the same scouts every single game and they're, they're from other teams and they just, you know, some of them like, like Chris Pronger, for instance, you know, he still lives here, you know, he's technically employed by the Florida Panthers, but you know, um, (laughs) but you know, you still, you still see the scouts, you know, that like you look at the, you know, list of uh, people attending and it's like, Oh, he's here again. He's here again. Here's here again. And, and the blues and that team never trade, but it's just, um, you're right in that it's 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 a little different, you know. It's it's not all about you know having you know the team like right in your backyard. You know, you can still manage from a distance, and uh, and I know the Blues are are very good at that. By the way, you you pointed this out before we recorded. So another reason why the Blues should not be too worried about having a affiliate in Massachusetts. Is because the last time the Blues sent a player to Massachusetts for development, it worked out okay. Yeah, just a little bit. You know, Jordan Bennington went up to Providence, played for uh, the Boston affiliate up there, and and I think he backed up this team to a Stanley Cup, right? Uh, yeah, that that thing. Yeah, that the the thing that you know we we're reminded of every time we go to Enterprise Center that hangs from the rafters that I have on my wall. You know, it's it's uh, it's kind of neat. It, it it's a it's a cup and uh, some guy named Lord Stanley. You know, it was named after him. You know, he's kind of a cool guy. So yeah, it it worked out pretty well. Yeah, it did. It did. And if, if you have a whole team up there, maybe we can get that magic going again, and you know, maybe make a couple more runs here in the next couple of years. Yeah, and and we can we can thank the Providence Bruins for you know sheltering our future star goalie by, you know, having Springfield beat the holy crap out of them, you know, a few times a year. It's great. Yes. It's great. I'm sure I'm, they, they have to be rivals. I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty close. So, oh yeah. If they're not, yeah. then somebody's missing the, the mark on that. Oh, definitely. For sure. For sure. Well, I mean, as we said, Springfield's still a newer franchise, so, you know, they're getting their feet under, but I will say that another thing that's in their favor, I looked at their attendance numbers and they, they've been going up, up, up every single year. So this is a, this is a, uh, organization that's trending up. So uh, yeah, most definitely. And, and one more Blues connection to Massachusetts and Springfield in general. Yeah, a previous team, the Springfield Falcons, had a play-by-play guy who you might know. Oh, a Mr. really? A Mr. Chris Kerber used to be the Springfield Falcons play-by-play announcer. Oh man, bring out the Zamboni. So, you know, there's another St. Louis Blues, Springfield, Massachusetts Perfect. connection right there. So it just makes it even more like, hey, this is this is the right thing. This is meant to happen. I wonder I wonder if Curbs opened the door, you know, to for this potential partnership to happen. You never know. Maybe he knew a guy. If you know a guy, it, knew, it know helps. a guy who knows a guy up there up in Boston, you know, up in you know, up in Matt well, actually Springfield's Western Mass. They don't talk like that there. <laughs> they talk more that's, like Americans. <laughs> that, that that's that's Massachusetts profiling there. No, like, like everyone I've talked to that like has been up in that region, they say like Western Mass is pretty much like, you know, southern Missouri. Oh wow. It, yeah, it's pretty pretty redneck. Huh. I guess another there's another St. Louis connection. No, no, and, and, and I say that without offense to any rednecks out there because I grew up, I guess you can consider Imperial and Bon Terre, Southern Missouri. So, you know, if the shoe fits. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just another good connection. 
That's right. Exactly right. Um, Blues, uh, right now, uh, they are kind of heading towards the uh, home stretch. They they beat the uh, Chicago Blackhawks this week in the first all-women broadcast on uh, Sunday night. And uh, right now, as they uh, currently sit in the standings, of course, we're recording this before the Anaheim game Wednesday night. They start at 9 o'clock tonight. That's way past our bedtimes. And also, uh, if we try to record after that game, we would actually probably not beat the deadline to get this episode up. So uh, (laughs) forgive us for not covering that game. But the Blues, at the time of recording, they have played 70 games this year. They have a 41-19-10 and record. 92 points. They are still the best in the West, but as has been the story for the past couple weeks, the Avalanche are right on their heels at 90 points, and uh, it's looking wags like, you know, there's there's 12 games left, 13 for uh, the Avalanche. Looking like for the Blues, it's either going to be the Stars, as my PTSD kicks in from the, the playoff series last year, uh, or one of the Predators or Wild Maybe Jets, but I still don't believe in them. Uh, which one? Which one of those teams would you prefer in in uh, in, in, in the first round? And then don't say Dallas because I I don't I, <laughs> I, I, I I'm afraid of Dallas. Yeah, I, I'm I'm afraid of Dallas too. I mean, even though they've been struggling as of late, uh, they've kind of swung back into that third position, eight points back at Colorado for second. And, um, and, and none of that matters if Ben Bishop no. gets hot because let's face it, he's otherworldly. When that, he's, when that he's on he fire. Is. Uh, you know, the team that the team that I would want to play and doesn't scare me the most would probably be Minnesota, but they're on a hot streak right now as well. And they're actually pushing because they were out of it for a while there. And now all of a sudden they're just sitting one point back of Nashville for that wild card spot. Um, Devin Dubnik is, is, is another guy that can get hot and, and go crazy. Uh, but that seems to be like every team there. You know, Winnipeg's got Hellebuck. Nashville's got Rene and Soros, who both have struggled at points this year, but can take over a series. And then obviously you got Bishop in Dallas. Um, it's not going to be easy. But if I were had if I had to pick one team, I would prefer to go up against Minnesota, uh, just because of the success we've had against them and the, their lack of real offensive ability. Um, Winnipeg has some offensive ability. Nashville definitely has some offensive ability. And, and Dallas, Dallas is the complete team when they put it together. They've got the offense. They finally got the defense that, that they've been lacking for the last few years. And then they've got the goaltending. Because even if Bishop somehow goes down, Anton Hudobin is not a bad backup. Nope. People t- tend to think, oh, you, you get past Ben Bishop. And huh. in that game against Dallas last week, he played a very, very good game. So, Dallas is the team that scares me the most. Minnesota is the one that I would probably prefer to play. I knew you were the right pick to be my permanent co-host because you already have thrown co-founder Isha Dromi's team under a bus. So congratulations. <laughs> I did that right at the beginning. You have stepped right in and followed in my footsteps. Wags, you're the man. Um, <laughs> I will say I of, of the teams that I think the Blues could face, obviously – I have a feeling we're going to have to slay that Stars Demon again at some point. You know, I, I hope it's not the first round. I think it might be the second round again. Um, although, I, I don't know. I mean, if it ends up being Colorado-Dallas, I mean, who's, I mean, Lord knows how that series is going to end. I mean, it just, it, it really, that one really depends on Ben Bishop, you know, yep. turning up the heat. Um, God, Dallas has lost six straight, though. That's, ooh. Yeah, they um, have struggled. Yeah, they have struggled. I mean, I don't think they're any in any, any danger of like losing out on the playoffs, but I mean, it's just wow. 
Um, the Wild, I, I, I don't really fear them so much, but I always... Cinderella stories kind of always kind of give me the heebie-jeebies in the playoffs because, you know, hockey's one of those sports where all you need to do is get on a hot streak and any team can make it deep in the playoffs. I mean, remember Yaroslav Halak and the Canadians, uh, you know, way back when. You know, I think they were a seven or eight seed, and they yeah, made it. They made Kings, it deep. Kings were the eight seed and won the Stanley Cup. So yeah, well, yeah, the bunch of jerks. You know, and and they made a run last year too. So, um, I I don't know if I want to face the Wild. Uh, I the Jets. Halia Buck is kind of. I put him in the same category as Bishop. Mm-hmm. When he gets hot, he's incredible. But you know, the one difference that you know between him and Bishop is that the Jets' defense is non-existent. So, you know, he pretty much has to be, you know, has to stand on his head every night. Um, so I would say of all, of all the teams, I actually, I might want Smashville. Because as, you, as you've mentioned, Rene and Saros are have had their ups and downs. Um, the team's a little older. Um, they're a little... They they all it, it's a, it's a team full of talented players, but like I look at a guy like Kyle Turris, and it's just like it, it, there's a, there's a bit of a band of misfits kind of a vibe I get with them, you know, where it's like they're they're an odd odd mishmash a little bit. Um, their defense is still very something to be respected for sure, um, but give me I would say just just because of how they've been this year, just because. Renee and Sorrows have been kind of up and down and just their age. I would say, I'd say Predators. I'm down with the Predators. Uh, By the way, I'm actually kind of surprised we're even talking about having four or five Central Division teams going to the playoffs. For a while, it looked like it would be just the Blues, Avalanche, and Stars, and the Pacific would have five teams, which is why you don't pick playoffs too early. Uh, But the Coyotes, they're... We haven't mentioned them at all in in the playoff picture. They are dropping like a hot rock, and uh, it's looking like that Taylor Hall deal uh, may uh, end up biting them a little bit, Wags. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, you they they took a shot. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they they looked at what Columbus did last year, keeping their guys that that they were going to eventually lose lose like a Panarin, uh, and Arizona was going to take their shot. And and when they made that trade, the Pacific Division wasn't. Even you know they they were they were there, but they yeah. really you had teams that you thought were going to be there that didn't play up to par. I mean, L.A. you knew was going to be out of it. Young guys ended up getting rid of Kovalchuk. San Jose, I think, was a surprise that they dropped so quickly. Uh, but when you've got a guy like Martin Jones in net, you really can't trust uh, a team to continue to winning. I mean, he, he's yeah. had flashes of brilliance, but he's also had many many games where he's been very very below par. You, you grew up watching ESPN, right? Oh, yeah, 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 most definitely. You, you, you remember the soccer analyst from Ireland named Tommy Smith? Oh, I love Tommy Smith. Every time I think of Martin Jones, I always think of him going like, Marty Jones. You know, it's like, Marty Jones let in another softie. Uh, yeah, Marty. oh, man, someone needs to get him on speed dial. I think he's still alive. And uh, and, and get that thing recorded because that would be perfect. Can we get a check on Tommy Smith? <laughs> 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 Paging Tommy Smith. Paging Tommy Smith. Are Can you we still get a alive? welfare check? Is his life alert still working? I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> oh, yeah, but that would be, that'd be great. That would be great. Yeah, that would be great. But uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, in fact, actually, I I talked with I've I've talked with Sporty with Corey and Richie uh, before. There are 
Coyotes host on the Hockey Podcast Network. And I was all for them going for Taylor Hall because it felt like the Pacific was a division right there for the taking. Mm-hmm. And I thought the Coyotes, and I still feel they still do, they have the talent. They just for some reason they can't put it together. And now it's gotten to the point, you know, we had uh, Shane on Blue Notes uh, Monday. Shane Ryan, he uh, is one half of the uh, Devil's Advocates with uh, Bayou Benders. And uh, Shane on our, uh, you know, group Slack channel ran a tankathon simulator. And with the first overall pick of the 2020 NHL draft, it's the Arizona Coyotes jumping nine spots for the first overall pick. So, you know, if this helps get if this helps get them Lafreniere, maybe it's not a bad trade. Well, I, I think, yeah, if they can get him, because I think the, the first round pick that they traded was protected. So if, they, so yeah. if they if they get the, you know, if they tank and get that first pick, yeah, they're not going to lose yeah. it. So all of a sudden you've got the makings of a, of a heck of a team. And you know, maybe that was the plan all along. Mm-hmm. No, I yeah. definitely not. <laughs> no, but, but, credit, but, but credit John Chaka for even thinking of protecting the top three in, in, in a deal like that. I mean, because – Otherwise, you would be the San Jose Sharks right now, and you're looking at uh, maybe giving up the first overall pick because you decided Eric Carlson was a great idea. Oh, totally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Should. Right. I mean, I he's I think he's held by held up by ABC Gum and you know rubber bands at this point. Um, poor guy. Um, but yeah, that's uh, it's it's just it's just interesting where where things stand right now. And of course, I mentioned Takeathon uh, because we are having a uh, contest uh, this month. Where if you screenshot the top fifteen of your sim lottery pick on Tankathon, and you end up matching all fifteen of the actual NHL lottery, uh, you uh, ended up you could be in the running for a two hundred dollar cool hockey gift card. How about that? So just uh, send us your screenshots at Blue Notes Pod. You have until April eighth to do it. The lottery is the ninth. So uh, we have all the rules at Blue Notes Pod. So I want to give them a uh, big thank you as well. And that's going to lead us into our um, our little bit of a clash here. Um, it's a fun clash. Um, Blue's trade history has, is, is, is always something to marvel at. And there are two teams that uh, we have to decide who did the Blues screw more. And uh, they are two neighbors to the north. And uh, we'll argue the merits of those trades. It's another fun Blue Notes March into History segment. Play that NHL 94 music. Knocks it by Van Ip and has a break. Berenson right in, he shoots. He scores! Berenson! A great goal again by the Redhead. All right, so, you know, as, as as we discussed last week, you know, this the St. Louis Blues, it's so fun to look back at some of the histories that have come, uh, come and players that have come and gone and have worn the blue note in the past. And it's also fun to remember, you know, we mentioned Ron Caron, who was... The, he was the like EA NHL franchise mode trader before there was a franchise mode, you know, for NHL video games. I mean, the guy just, he was a high volume trader. And um, one of the teams that he took advantage of, in my opinion, but then he also got taken advantage of a little bit as well, was the Calgary Flames. But I still maintain that it's the Blues took advantage of Calgary far more 
than the other way around. And I think we ended up ripping off Calgary more. You, on the other hand, you have a counter to that. That I do. And and it's the, the perennial whipping horse for the most part for, for a good portion of the last two decades, Pretty much. The, Ottawa, the Ottawa senators. And, you know, they've only, they were only technically in existence a short amount of time before we really stole from them the first time. Uh, but over the course of the last you know 10 years, we, we've kind of hoodwinked them a, a couple other times. Now there was one trade that we'll talk about that maybe went the other way. Uh, but for the most part, I think the Ottawa senators have been the, the team that the blues have kind of like been like, ha ha ha, we got you. Yeah. I can, I can see the argument for sure. But when it, when you, when you're talking about the blues and the flames, you are talking about the blues getting legends like Brett Hall, Brett freaking Hall, you know, the, the drunkest man in St. Louis, but also the hardest slap shot in St. Louis next to the other guy they ripped off of Calgary, Al McGinnis. Actually, I take it back. I think I have that flip. I think McGinnis definitely had the harder slap shot, uh, but that's like that's like arguing, you know, which supermodel's hotter. You know, I mean, come on. It's, it's, it's all it's all it's, it's all subjective. Um, and especially when you consider the fact that the Blues dealt Rob Ramage and Rick Wamsley for Brett Hall. Now, decent players, actually better than decent. Ramage was actually pretty good for his time, but he was considered something of an excess, you know, for the Blues. They had a good defensive core. This would have been 1988, so you, we're talking right around the time Scott Stevens would come around, you know, for the Blues. So um, Rick Wamsley was also an extra. They had, uh, at the time... Uh, it was it was Curtis Joseph, and then it was Vincent Riendo that came up for the Blues in the late 80s, and they thought Riendo was going to be the guy, and he was the starter, and Joseph was the backup for a while. But regardless, you know, Wamsley was just not in that equation whatsoever. So they, 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 they trade for Brett Hall, you know, which actually the anniversary of that deal was uh, this month, by the way. Um, it was March 7th, as a matter of fact, so just a couple days ago. And, you know, it was at the time, I remember a Calgary newspaper article just bat, just blasting the blues for why would you make this trade? It just, it just, it, it's Brett Hall is, he's lazy. Uh, he's, he's nothing like his father, blah, blah, blah. All he needed was a change of scenery and he needed to be the guy and he was the guy. Um, and then you look at the Al McGinnis deal. I mean, you're talking about uh, giving up Phil Housley and a couple draft picks that didn't become anything in exchange for another player whose number hangs from the rafters. So I don't think the Blues missed Phil Housley at all. I don't think the Blues missed Rob Ramage at all. I don't think they missed Rick Wamsley at all. And And in return, you get two bona fide Hall of Famers. To me... That that's what makes the Flames the I guess for lack of a better term the biggest bitch. Okay, I'm, I'm this is where I'm going to counter the biggest part of my argument. Okay. Okay. How many Stanley Cups did Brett Hall and Al McInnes win with the St. Louis Blues? Well, I mean they were technically part of the organization uh, in the front <laughs> office. If you want to get technical, let's just go player wise. Player wise, how many Stanley Cups did they win? Uh, that would be a zero. Okay. And then, uh, so, but Al McKinnis had one in Calgary and then, uh, Rod Ramage, I'm sure got one in Calgary as well. uh, Yeah. He actually, he actually helped Calgary win a cup actually when McKinnis was there. 
And then, of course, we all know that Hull had a skate in the crease and uh, lifted the cup with Dallas. And so. Detroit, and Detroit. Don't get, don't, and don't Detroit. forget about, don't forget about Detroit. I, I, uh, I, I, but I went to. I know. Same here. Same here. How many, <laughs> how many former Blues went to Detroit to win a cup? Uh, but that's that's the that's the biggest part of my argument. Yes, you can talk about Hall of Famers. You can talk about uh, guys setting records, career highs, all that stuff with the Blues. But when it comes down to it, it's all about Stanley Cup championships. If you can't win a Stanley Cup championship, if the guys you bring in don't make that happen, how much of an impact do they make? And I'm only making this argument because I'm trying to beat you because I think Brett Hall and Al McInnes, they made huge impacts in St. Louis. Uh, Enterprise Center never would have been built without Brett Hall. Al McInnes has done wonders for this team. Don't get me wrong on that aspect. I'm trying to win an argument, though. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> so when it comes to us in Ottawa, the, the first big one is, is the Pavel Dimitri trade back in November of 1996. The fact that we give up a guy, Krister Olsen, you didn't know who that guy is? Yes, Krister Olsen, all 25 games played for the Ottawa Senators. They brought in Pavel Dimitra. The impact that Pavel Dimitra made in St. Louis, while not winning a cup, because that's part of my argument, he didn't win a cup here. But what he did in his almost 500 games with the Blues was pretty much become the face of an organization. And this is at a time when you had Al McInnes, when you had Brett Hall, when you had Chris Bronger, when you had Grant Fuhrer. Yet Pavel Dimitra became almost the face of the St. Louis Blues and was really a big part of the community. And, and it was just an arguably one of the greatest Blues of all time and somebody that people may not think about when they think about greatest Blues, but he really was. He little made underrated. this team. Little very, underrated. Uh, little underrated. And, yes, he ended up going on to play in a couple other cities after his time in St. Louis and tragically died in the in the, the, the locomotive plane crash in Russia. And and that's another piece of it is when that actually – when that happened, the outpouring of support – and an emotion that hit the city of St. Louis when he passed really showed you the impact that he made on this town organization, all of the area of St. Louis. Uh, but what he did on the ice outside of what Christopher Olsen did for Ottawa is a huge piece of it. Could you imagine what Ottawa would have been like if they would have been able to keep Pavel Dimitra and they would have had other guys like Chara and things on their team? They made some big missteps in the mid nineties to early two thousands. And one of those is Pavel Dimitra. Yeah. You had a couple of other minor trades between the two teams that didn't really amount to much, but had big names. A guy like an Igor Kravchuk for Steve Duchesne. Actually, Steve Duchesne was traded between the two teams twice, back yeah. in 95 and 97. He went from St. Louis to Ottawa in 95 and back to St. Louis in 97. So that's kind of a wash in my sense. Uh, and then we have the forgettable Patrick Lillian trade back in 2004. We're not even going to talk about that one. Uh... Uh, but the big one, and the one that really is going to cinch my argument for me, is back in June of 2010. Uh, the Blues had uh, drafted David Runblad, uh, the I believe, the year previously. Uh, was going to be one of those guys that could have been a, a potential future defenseman uh, along the lines of Petrangelo and with Pareko and all those things, but that never seemed to materialize. Well, they traded him one year later for the 2010 first-round pick of the Ottawa Senators, which was number 16. And oh, it, it netted us a, a very good number. It almost seems prophetic now. Yeah. Uh, we were able to draft a guy named Vladimir Tarasenko. And oh, him. Yeah, what, what Vlad has done in, in over 500 games is 214 goals, 214 assists, and the most important piece, Stanley Cup champion. We got a Stanley Cup champion and a superstar and a face of the organization for David Runeblad, who's been out of the NHL since 2016, has played in the KHL the last three years, really was never, never really amounted to much in his NHL career. So we got a Stanley Cup champion, face of the organization, high-value person, for a defenseman that played 113 games in the NHL, I, I, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty good hoodwink right there. 
It is, it is, but I wasn't done when I was mentioning Blues and Flames trades. Oh, no, here we go. So there, there, there are a couple others that happened. Uh, now, we're not going to mention the Joey Mullen and Doug Gilmore deals. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, they became Hall of Famers elsewhere. But you know what? They actually kind of made their bones away from Calgary, and Calgary didn't really get jack squat for either one of them. In fact, the Doug Gilmore trade from Calgary to Toronto, where Gilmore became a legend, uh, it's kind of hilarious. So the trade was uh, on January 2nd, 1992. This would have been three and a half years after he was traded to uh, Calgary. Again, we can talk about that saga sometime. Um, The Flames ended up trading Gilmore to the Maple Leafs with Jamie McCown, who was a very good defenseman. Um, Not a top liner, but a good defenseman. Rick Natras, Kent Manderville, and Rick Wamsley, that guy, for Gary Lehman, Alexander Gdynyuk, Jeff Reese, Michelle Petit, and a guy named Craig Berube. Um, when Craig Berube is a centerpiece of a trade involving uh, Doug Gilmore, and you're the one that's giving away Doug Gilmore, not good. Uh, Joey Mullen, I mean, again, this is, this is, you know, Calgary got gifts from the Blues, and they couldn't even really maximize their value. Uh, Mullen got traded um, by Calgary for a second-round pick from Pittsburgh, which became Nicholas Perot uh, in the 1990 NH, uh, entry draft. And, of course, you know, what does, you know, Joey Mullen do in his uh, first full year in Pittsburgh? Oh, he... He just scores 42 goals. No big deal. Um, so, yeah, well, actually, yeah, his first full year was 42 goals. So, yeah, it's they, they couldn't even maximize the gifts that the Blues gave them. Now, the Blues also got a defense, another defenseman from Calgary who turned out to be pretty good. Um, the Blues ended up trading away a first-round pick who I don't think became anyone of note. Uh, a 2013 conditional fourth-round pick, Mark Kanderi and goaltender Rito Berra in exchange for some guy named Jay Bomeister, who would only go on to become the left-handed puck-moving defenseman that the Blues sought for years, at least at the start. Now, as, he, as his, his career has gone on, he's definitely become more of a defensive defender. Um, but Jay Bomeister has had a very solid blues career. Um, and you know, I would say they won that trade for sure. That's one trade that they won. Uh, another trade that they won Brian Elliott. So Brian Elliott's time was done in St. Louis for reasons that we can lament about and debate all we want. And Elliott was dealt to the flames for a second round pick and a third round pick. Now, sometimes when you acquire draft picks and trades, you, you tend to forget about the trade itself. Well, you shouldn't forget about this one because for, I believe, a year or two of Brian Elliott, the Calgary Flames effectively gave up Jordan Cairo. With that second-round pick, that became Jordan Cairo. And um, Cairo, his ceiling is, is, is going to be way, way, way up there. Uh, so I, I just think that, you know, the Blues have gotten Brett Hall, Al McGinnis, Jay Bomeister, and Jordan Cairo, 
and have also used Calgary as something of a goaltending graveyard because in addition to um, Brian Elliott, they also pawned off uh, Grant Fuhr. You know, Grant Fuhr was at the end of his rope. Uh, they also pawned off Roman Turek to Calgary. So whenever the Blues have needed to shed a goaltender, Calgary's always been there. But I just think that, gosh, I, I, I look at Brett Hall. I look at Al McGinnis, two legends, a very good defenseman in Bo Meester, and a very good prospect in Jordan Cairo. And I, and I put them up against Vladimir Tarasenko and Pavel Dimitra. I st- even though the price was definitely not as cheap with, with, with Ottawa, I mean, there's definitely an argument to be made here, Wags, that the Blues getting Tarasenko and uh, Dimitra for nothing, essentially, that might tip the scales in Ottawa's favor. But I still... Give you know, give me Hall and McGinnis over uh, Tarasenko and Demetra any day. Oh boy, that's and that's that's a tough argument because you'd rather have all four of them if you could. Oh God, uh, yeah. But but yeah, I mean the the fact that they were able to get those two guys for next to nothing essentially, you had to trade a Doug Gilmore and at the time a, a pretty decent Rick Walmsley to get Brett Hall and you know. It, you, you had to trade value for value essentially with Calgary and Calgary was able to use that value to great effectiveness. Whereas the blues were able to give away just nothing to get two guys that, that essentially became faces of the franchise and one of the top, probably the top 10 players in the history of the St. Louis blues. Yes. You can argue that Hall and McKinnis are probably one, one of the top five in, in the, in the history of the blues. To get top 10, top 15 talent for next to nothing, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll tip the scales in Ottawa's favor. Um, we're, we're not going to mention the Ben Bishop trade um, because no, – no. no, not at all. But to be perfectly honest, he only played about 26 games with Ottawa. Yeah, it's not like he made a huge impact on the Senators either. Exactly. So, so that, and, that, that's kind of a that that's kind of a wash. Yeah, most definitely. So yeah. I, I, you know, like I said, I'll take. And, and granted, Bo Meester has a Stanley Cup championship with the Blues, so you got you got that on me. Uh, but uh, just the, the fact that they gave up nothing essentially for for Tarasenko and and Tamitra should be enough. Isn't Kairu's name on the cup as well, or no? I, th- I you know what I think it, I think it is technically. I think it is. I think it right, technically pr- is probably right next to Michael Delzato's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. legendary Blues legend Michael Delzato. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, 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 it's so subjective. I, I think that really the argument but boils down to does the, the fact does does Hall of Fame talents outweigh at this point very good talents? You know, I, I think Tarasenko's eventually a Hall of Famer. Um but it, it just it just for me it's tough. It, it, it's really tough. And I you know, you've actually kind of helped convince me a little bit with, with Ottawa just because it's like with the Blues trade history with the Flames, yeah, you do have some caveats there. I mean, I didn't even mention the fact that the Blues traded away Craig Conroy to Calgary. Yeah, Craig Conroy was a very solid defensive defenseman, and his career took off when it went to Calgary. Uh, I mean, granted, the Blues got Corey Stillman. He was he was what they needed at the time, and he had a decent career. And if I recall, Corey Stillman... Uh, ended up becoming something for the Blues. Uh, let me look that up real quick. Just 
another one of those kind of trade vortexes here where um, the Blues ended up getting a draft pick for Stillman that became something nice. Uh, let's look at the old hockey reference here. Uh, Stillman was traded from the Blues. He went to uh, Tampa, played a year in Tampa, and uh, the pick that the uh, Blues uh, got from Tampa was the second-round pick in 2003, and that player became David Backus. That's uh, that's a so, pretty so good you, trade. So, so you're you're pretty much talking with with two degrees of separation, trading Craig Conroy for David Backus. Advantage Blues. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I think so. And, and, I, and I love Conroy, but Advantage Blues. But that's that's less of an argument in favor of of Calgary, and more of an argument for the fact that the Blues over the years have had just incredible luck with the picks that they get back in trades. I mean, David Backus was one. Eric Brewer turning into Jordan Bennington was another lucky stroke of luck. Brian Elliott becoming Cairo. I mean, you, you just never know. So it, it's, I don't know. I, I'm kind of on the, you, you've kind of put me on the fence in this one, Wags. Um, I don't know, listeners. I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, do you think it's, do you think the Blues took advantage of Ottawa more than Calgary? Or do you think the the Blues took advantage of Calgary more than Ottawa? It's it's a tough question. I'm going to put up a poll uh, when this uh, episode comes out on on Thursday, and I'll ask you that very question. I mean, who who did the Blues screw worse, Calgary or Ottawa? I'll let you guys decide because I can't. <laughs> and we haven't even mentioned what we've done to Toronto and Philadelphia in the last few years as well. So oh, there's, a, there's we can, many, many times. Oh, there's we, many, many t- types. We can, we can have some bracketology going here. Yeah. You know, I it mean, is March. I mean, that's right. And, uh, and, and thanks for, you know, mentioning Toronto because that reminds me that Alex Steen is still around and, uh, Lee Stepniak is not. So, um, that's a good one. Uh, but yeah, actually that's not the only one I think that they've fleeced Toronto on. They've, they've gotten them over the, over, over the years, just in general. A Roland Pollock uh, for Carl Gunnarsson. That was a good one. That was a good one. Um, I always, in fact, actually, I, it makes me think back to, uh, do you watch Steve Dangle on YouTube at all? Uh, occasionally here and there. He, uh, his episode, uh, when the blues won the Stanley cup, I mean, his lamenting over the fact that Tyler Bozak, Alex Steen and Carl Gunnarsson are lifting the cup. I mean, that was, it was it was vintage dangle. Let's just say it, it, it's worth watching just for the fun of it. Although I will say he was he was mostly happy that the Blues won the cup just because that meant Boston didn't. Yes. So yeah. So he was he was definitely on the uh, you know screw Boston bandwagon you know <laughs> on during that whole cup run. So um, Wags, that's gonna do it for this episode. Uh, my full time uh, co host. Anything else you wanted to drop in or plug or? No, I think I think we plugged everything. Don't forget to catch Crunch Time on KYRO on Saturdays from eight to ten. Absolutely, and uh, thank you, Cool Hockey, for uh, sponsoring this episode and uh, keeping us going here. Check out their thirty percent off sale. I'll have the link in uh, Blue Notes Pod uh, Twitter page. And I want to thank you for listening because without you, there is no me, there is no Wags, and there is no Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Tom Franklin from Blue Notes, reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle. listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet.
New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.